next Beyond Green podcast episode. I think this is 17 now. 17. Cool. We've really uh, been doing this for 17 weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, I guess, actually, yeah. I'm not sick of talking to you yet. Yeah. Well, we know. We had some, we, sp- we split it up a little bit. We had some other, that is other true. options. Uh, unfortunately, Dave cannot join us today. He was supposed to, and we still plan on getting him on the comments from last week's. Unfortunately, he's a little sick right now, so we did mm-hmm. not, we're not able to get him today. Uh, next week, though, he'll be back. Yeah, uh, if I may, actually, before you get into the the thing, I would say that there we've uh, we've been I've been putting out some callers for people who I think would be uh, just like looking for guests for the radio show, mm. but also just particularly I've been thinking about people that. Uh, because the radio show has, that's why we do a different podcast, is a little bit of a different flavor. Uh, and I've made some comments, uh, mm-hmm. made some contacts, rather, uh, with some people who I think would be excellent for this. So you can look forward to, I won't, I won't say who they are until they've actually confirmed, uh, but, uh, particular, there's some particularly interesting people that I've had really great conversations with, uh, who are gonna provide much different perspectives than, than, right. than where we're coming from, and then the, the listener can look forward to this. Excellent. In the upcoming weeks, some, some exciting and interesting guests. Yes. Uh, and I think I, uh, I also mentioned that if you miss, turn us to your older podcasts uh, on iTunes, hopefully it'll be fixed soon. We'll find out. If it isn't, let us know. So first I should mention that the song that came into was uh, called Happy by Pharrell, but it was the Robots with Ray Guns remix. Mm-hmm. And as an aside, if you hear any weird screaming or noise, it is because we are currently sitting underneath a audition for something. Yeah. And that something is involves screaming. So Yes. Uh, so if you're any screaming, it's not us, neither of us are dying. We didn't upload this posthumously. Oh, maybe we did, but let's hope we didn't. But it's someone upstairs. But anyways, so uh, as we mentioned, uh, uh, as this month's topic that mm-hmm. we're going to be covering is agriculture. Yes. Uh, as voted on by our members, our wonderful members. Uh, agriculture and, well, more specifically, industrial agriculture. And that whole sort mm-hmm. of problem. And uh, I guess Darren has mentioned that I I, I, really, I don't think I've told the story yet on on the podcast. We may have alluded to it, but you, I don't think you've yeah. gotten into it. Yeah, and unless so, maybe if you just read the things I write, you already know the whole story. In which case, I apologize. I'm gonna tell, I'll tell it quickly, but uh, it will get us into some sort of more agriculture sort of things. So, for, for those of you who have sort of followed along with me for a long time, you will know that we recently had a video that we had made posted on Upworthy, uh, which then, of course, got us a whole bunch of new hits, which then, of course, got us some people who didn't like us so much because of the vi- video's content. Uh, to explain the video content very quickly, it was really just a summation of some of the more obvious and more reasonable problems with factory farming and some sort of more gener- generic concerns with industrial agriculture. It was pretty generic. I spent a bunch of time making sure I didn't even overstep any bounds as much. I sort of like, it was very loosely worded and sort of like, these are some general problems, blah, blah, blah. But what happened was we, we received like one comment, one fairly long comment from a pretty popular set of, pretty popular farm YouTube guys mm-hmm. commenting, and then I wrote a whole response to it. And so, and so basically the, their, their issues, they had a whole bunch of issues. And all their issues, I think, come down to a very interesting difficulty that we see currently in the food system, which is that all the conversations that are being had are about farmers and how best farming can be done. Whereas in reality, most of the problems with the food system aren't the farmers themselves or anyone who's doing the farmer farming themselves. So you end up having this infighting between farmers v. farmers, when in actuality it's the rest of the system that's influencing each farmers in different directions. Like, I don't think the Peterson family farm bros actually, re- like, I'm sure if they can make a living having free-range cattle and, you know, growing a diverse set of crops, they would. I don't really think they're a weird, evil, industrialized people who are goal is to kill as many cows as possible. I really don't think that's their goal. Their goal is to make a living. And it's totally reasonable. 
but the society we currently live in sort of forces them in many different ways. And I think they sort of have a knee-jerk reaction to anyone who says they're against industrial farming, factory farming, because they see themselves as a factory farm, and they see any sort of a response about that as an attack on them and attack on their livelihood. Which I just, I just want to interject that sort of the amusing irony there of sort of, hey, you don't attack factory farms, we're a family farm. Mm. Factory farm. It's like, well... I understand that, but in the context of the way in which you were discussing it, you had already clearly outlined that you were discussing, while well, those terms can in some senses be used to dis- to talk about overlapping or similar things and, and, and under certain definitions of how you wanted to find those sort of loose terms, you could say that something could be both a family farm and a factory farm, which was largely their objection. But you started out the entire thing by clearly defining them as, no, as non-overlapping magisteria. Mm. They were two completely separate and, and mutually exclusive concepts. Yeah. And their sort of their primary thing was, hey, don't insult us. We're a family farm, therefore you should like us. But we're also a factory farm, and you're attacking family farms. And it was like, well, you missed the entire point of the entire concept right yeah. off the bat. It was interesting. I, I did some research actually when they had the comment, and it, I, I, the overlapping is there are 13% of family farms can also be considered factory farms in some sort of, of cattle alone, I'm pretty sure. There's a, whole, there's, there's a whole other thing. What's interesting about this is part of, you know, well, we used cattle as an example because they were sort of the thing we could draw the easiest, but, the th- but, but in reality, the actual, fa- the main, the biggest problems in factory farming actually come from other animals. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's apparently four companies that have about 90% of the chicken population. Like that, that's like that, like they kill 90% of chickens, four companies, like companies. And it seems that beef is actually one of the most commonly run by families. Interestingly enough, I don't know why that is. And partially that most of the factory farms are the bigger, bigger farms are probably offshore and they ship the meat in. Uh, but that's why meat production is so bad for deforestation. But what, what I want to get back to is sort of this interesting dichotomy of a lot of farmers see themselves as being attacked by environmentalists, mm-hmm. uh, which some are. Like, there's animal rights people out there who definitely would hate the Peterson family farm bros, without question. No matter how much the Peterson family farm bros can go out and say they care about their animals, they do everything they can for them, blah, 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 there's a certain subset of people who will hate them regardless. Mm-hmm. But I'm not one of those people. I am going to put myself not in that category either. <laughs> But at the same time, there's this, they clearly, clearly feel like they're being attacked, Uh which I think is interesting. But also, I think part of it has to do with the fact that when you really get down to it, fixing the food system is so, as as, as anyone who's listened to the podcast that I had with actually Maya Fromstein a couple of weeks ago, fixing the food system is insane. And it's, it's arguably as big of an issue or as complicated of an issue to solve as climate change would be. It's it's that it's that big. There's 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 some places where you just can't. It would be politically almost as hard. Not only as as potentially as complex, but a heck of a lot of carryover between those two things. Oh, Actually, yeah, so that's sure. quite a good example because yeah. there's a lot of there's a you know uh, animal production is is a massive. I hear some people say it's bigger than fossil fuel uh, fuels. The, uh, those numbers I don't have at the ready. Yeah. Uh, let's say it's very close. Yeah. No, it's huge. It's it's huge without a question. Especially deforestation. That's honestly one of the bigger parts of it. But anyways, the point of this I want to get to was that there's so much in our food system that is set up and then we, I think because people sort of inherently go back to sort of the one thing they can think about, which is sort of like, I want to eat organic, not I don't want to eat at a grocery store or, you know, like it's, it's things like grocery stores and fast food restaurants and like massive corporations that use that, that lobby for corn subsidies are really the bigger problem than any specific farmer. 
one farmer out there is responding to market pressures at worst, in my mind. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to make as much food or as much as quickly as possible. And but because people sort of see that as the face of what they see is wrong, factory farming, for example, or you know, just spraying your crop seventeen times with pesticides. They see those things as like the bad things. It ends up being feeling like we're blaming the farmer, and we are blaming the farmer to some extent, even though it's not their fault uh-huh. in many, 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 many ways. Um, so there's like, and what I think it comes honestly it comes down to the almost the exact same problem you get with um, with 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 carbon, which is that. The real problems are the invisible problems, or the problems that no one really thinks of. Like, if, if you could get the, the United States Farm Bill is one of the worst things to happen to the United States every single time it's put out. However, the United States Farm Bill also includes, some, includes things like food stamps. So if they were to ever shut down the Farm Bill, everyone on food stamps wouldn't be getting them anymore. Like, talk about... A re- but that's just, but inside the farm bill as well are all the subsidies to corn, which basically are just subsidies to large or companies. Does it basically guarantee a price to farmers for corn, which could never be sustained? Like the, I think farmers are guaranteed, I don't know, like it's something like twenty or thirty times more than the corn is actually worth on the market. Uh-huh. So they get that money from the government and they sell the corn at crazy low cut prices to places like Coca Cola, Pepsi. All the people who need glucose fructose, which they then make into sugar and, and sell. So basically, it, it, we're, we're subsidizing massive organizations by giving money to farmers. Uh-huh. But part of the reason why that's so hard to deal with is, you know, they're, they're just like how West Virginia Democrats in, in coal country absolutely hate when Obama goes against coal. Iowa is almost entirely corn. And if you try to get rid of the corn subsidy, guess who's going to lose their jobs? Everyone who works for the government, or who's currently elected, in Iowa. And so it's this sort of, where do you start, right? Uh, one of the most interesting things I didn't really get Maya to go into more, but we'll have her back at some point to talk about this, is that apparently only four companies, most of the grocery stores in, in the United States, four companies, and they decide what they'll accept. They decide the sizes, they decide everything. And it, it leaves farmers with all this extra food. You wonder where food waste goes. It's not, it's not people not eating all the thing on their plate. It's all the food that gets lost before it even gets to your plate. It's this entire subset of, of, of waste that you just never see at all. I have a friend, Tyler, who's actually on, you know, a member of the GC. He used to work at Loblaws, and he couldn't handle it because of how much bread he had to throw away every day. Yeah. It's like insane. And, and, and that's where all the waste comes from. No, it, it, the waste isn't because you lose things. The waste is because people in grocery stores refuse to accept things of too big, too small, all these little things, and it's just insane. So, like one of the one of the other factors there too. I mean, it's it's. I, I think it comes down to fundamentally what's wrong with the system in a lot of ways, which is that hey, just to the extent that like it's 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 a job, it's a politician's job in like de facto to sort of be the mouthpiece for his constituents, whereas like in an in an ideal democracy, that's true, but that I mean, that's one of those things that that assumes complete selflessness and perfect informity on behalf of the people doing the voting, which we don't have. Uh, and so people are being self-interested. It's like it's really easy to get people to complain when to get people upset about something and to vote for something when they don't have to give anything up. Um, but we don't have that system. So yeah, I mean, if you, if we, if, if you're talking, if you're talking in Iowa, you'll never get that passed. But if you're talking in New York City, you'll, you know, you could elect somebody on that, on that policy. 
that this is that this isn't what politicians should be doing. Politicians shouldn't just be mouthpieces for their constituents. They should be trying to look at what the most effective policy is and then making the case for it. Saying the best way for me to help you, I've I've studied what your needs are and I've studied what the options are, and this is the best way that I can think of to to suit those needs. But that isn't what we have, and we're not going to have that as long as mo they spend most of their time doing campaign financing, and they like two you know two times as many t twice as much of their time is spent looking for campaign donations compared to actually doing things. And of course, they don't have time to go and do research; they're too busy raising money. You know, but it's just, I just wanted to sort of illustrate how that sort of fits into a larger problem where that's, that's fundamentally the reason why these things are never going to happen. It's because if we, if we had people actually going out and saying, hey, here's a policy that helps everybody. This is how this will benefit you. You should want this. Mm -hmm. And actually making the case for good policy rather than just receiving, well, okay, that's what my vote. I mean, that's how we ended up with fucking Ford, man. Mm -hmm. Like a bunch of people who, you know, it's, it's not about them being stupid or ill-informed. There's a lot of very smart people who are just misinformed about the actual way that things are the, the actual long-term benefits. And it's this thing about, you know, I'll give you $100 if you wait two weeks. No, 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 no. I'm going to go with the guy who says he'll give me $5 now. Right. That's just what we have. And I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing with the food system. There's, it's, it's, you're right. It's just a lot of people whose entire livelihood has been based up around these subsidies that really ultimately don't help anyone. But it's so, it, there's been such a, a bureaucracy built up around it that, you know, essentially you're asking hundreds of thousands of people to, to be out of work for, for essentially what amounts to them as social policy, even though it isn't. It feels like social policy to them. Yeah, well, and I think I, I want to I bring in uh, a quick story, basically because it's, uh, because it's, well, it's a funny story. Uh, and it's mildly made what you said, so I'm just going to go for it. Go for it. Uh, and I remember when I was in grade six or seven, some guy, we had, you know, we had class recollections or whatever it was. And this grade eight, I remember he was, he was a guy running against a friend of mine. So I wasn't was rooting for him. He's a nice guy, though. And he ran on the genius policy, which was that if you elected him, you would get two weeks off in, in a month. Hmm. Those two weeks were Christmas, uh, but he was right and he won. So <laughs> there you go. Um, which I thought, I've always remembered that because I thought it was so funny. And very well executed that a bunch of, you know, first and second graders voted for him. But, but to get back into the actual agriculture side, and what I, f what I also find, find interesting about this is that wouldn't, the sort of political side of it wouldn't be so much of an issue if it wasn't also, if the country wasn't also divided on party lines. Mm -hmm. The problem with senators is that every, every state gets two, even if they're small states, and you don't want to lose the Senate. You have to listen to what's weird small state politics, mm -hmm. which is largely how these sort of weird things got passed. Um, but, like, really, if a bunch of Republicans from the South who didn't, weren't being helped by corn subsidies wanted to do this, then they would then they do it. But the, the Farm Bill has literally been created, so it will always pass. It's one of these things that will always pass because it's got, it's got food stamps in it for the city, for people from the city. It's got corn subsidies for, for people in the rural. It's, it, it's made so everyone gets something, but it's just bad policy. Uh -huh. uh, at least on the side of, of corn subsidies, you know. And what's ridiculous is, is, is they would have to get rid of just... I'm not saying get rid of all f subsidies for farmers. Just get rid of the subsidies for corn and get them to make other things. Like, that's what it is. It's not, it's not that subsidies for farmers is a bad thing. It's that subsidy for corn is a bad thing for many, many reasons. Um, but sort of to continue the story of this, of this ongoing uh, Peterson Family Farm Bros, guys, uh, is that later, I, a friend of mine turned out he actually, had, when, I, when, I, when I posted the thing, it turned out he had already, he'd been following them because of their videos. Because, you know, they're actually quite popular on YouTube. Uh -huh. And he sent me a link of something they had written about Chipotle. 
because the Chipotle, I guess, has a campaign out now where they're, where I guess, where they're they're getting organic shit or something. Like they're using organic food, they're trying to grain feed something. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. Who knows how good they're actually being, given that they're a large company. But their their advertising is basically saying things like they're basically making fun of the American food system. Right. And this guy basically wrote back, being like, "I am not going to eat a Chipotle until they stop this attack on farmers, and that they shouldn't be attacking farmers uh, for this." And it's sort of like, for me, it's like, I get it. You are feeding America. And you're feeding, you know, that's good. Um, but there's just this sort of, I think because farmers have always sort of had this sort of cachet to them, that there's this weird defense of them as if they're not any other business. Like, farmers are the only people who sort of get to sort of be cool while being a, obviously a capitalist business. Because uh-huh. they're farmers. And that's different. But it's nowadays it's not. It's just not. Uh-huh. And it's you know if 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 you want to if you want to support a sustainable food system, okay, let's have a conversation. And if you think that you know that you need a ton of beef to do that, all right, I might disagree with you, but we can have a real conversation about this. But I'm not attacking you as a farmer. I'm attacking the system that led you to have to be a fucking farmer who act who just like has thousands of cattle on it and that's their mate and that's their deal like if you can make the same amount of money with a hundred cattle selling them for the actual price they should cost then great but you don't well i mean it's it's the exact same thing about like people say oh you hate you know you hate you just hate people from alberta or something like that because we're anti like oil mm. uh it's like no i don't have any problem with anybody from alberta i just have a problem with oil and the fact that you've been like that Alberta specifically and the Canadian government has enabled it and then by inference the rest of Canada has basically put all of its money into oil is something I'm against doing that. Mm. I'm not for it and then saying, ha ha, you're an idiot. I'm going to try and make all that money you invested as as meaningless as possible because I hate you and I'm trying to see you fail. I know I didn't want you to do it in the first place and now that you've done it, I'm trying to get you to reverse that decision. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. But it, it's been, it's so personalized and it's that it's exactly what you're saying. It's this massive defensiveness about, hey, why are you attacking me? Well, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. And if you would, if you would work with me for five minutes, then maybe we could, like, figure out something that was mutually amicable, right? Like, phasing something in, phasing out a new thing. We can have a conversation here. Nobody's saying burn, well, we aren't saying, like, <laughs> burn down the system. Yeah. You know, burn down everybody who disagrees with us. No, we're saying, please come to the table and, and talk to us. Yeah. But it's, there's no, there's an absolute refusal to do that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad because I think there are really awesome solutions that help everybody and don't, and this, this whole thing about like, oh, it's money versus the environment is nonsense. And it's nonsense that's been proven over and over again. It's not a talking point. You can demonstrate it. And anybody that doubts it, ask me what point and we'll send you the information. There's a hundred million people with really smart ideas. I was at a Toronto Sustainability Speakers uh, Series event, TSSSS. Um, this week with all sorts of people from the business and corporate world who are doing really cool, awesome things that I didn't know about that are ways to make money while not being dicks. <laughs> and it doesn't require them to make way less money. It just means slightly reorganizing the way that they do business. And some people are going to get fired and some people are going to get hired. You know what? That's how the system works. That's going to happen anyway. We're just asking that there, we're, all you're doing is that you're changing the incentive from money at all costs on a short-term basis to let's think about how to make money in the long term and not screw over our investments. Like it's not the, the whole thing is that the, one of the biggest thing I'm sick of is this 
environment versus money. No, it's money short term versus money long term. That's the discussion. And and this is all about selling out, selling your, you know, it's like the summer, it's warm. I don't need my coat. I'm going to sell all my winter clothing. And he'd be like, no, don't, you're not going to want to do that. It's going to get cold in a few months. And be like, oh, you're just a crazy hippie. You don't want me to make 50 bucks for my winter jacket. No, it's because you're a fucking idiot if you sell your winter jacket. Right? Like, it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with that at all. It's, it's short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And that's the only way that this, that this conversation should be phrased. Mm. And that applies to climate change. It applies to farm subsidies. It applies to every single one of these things. The environmentalists have the smarter plan, even from a money point of view. It's just whether or not you're being distracted by somebody waving a couple of bucks in your face today. Mm. The, um, to jump off that a little bit, I, I honestly, I, I, I thought, I've mulled this over, and I think I might eventually do it. That's not something we can feasible right now, but I think I do want to reach out to the family, the Peterson Family Farm Bros, to actually try to come up with some sort of uh, joint project. I offered I, I to have him on. I, yeah, I'm we're doing it seriously. I was, yeah. It wasn't a bait. I no, would very much like that, to discuss this that, with them. No, that's true. But I, no, I want to like. I want to go to. I want to. I, I, like. I would love to go to their farm and be like, "All right, guys, Definitely. let's actually have a conversation about you. Clearly, like farming. You guys clearly have. I like farmers. Animals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, farmers are cool. I like farmers too. <laughs> but like, let's actually have a real conversation and see. Like, you know, let's have a real conversation about what could actually be done to, to fix our food system because it's it is broken. There's no question. And whether or not that's whether or not that's as easy as maybe we say we let all the farmers keep doing exactly what they're doing, but just change the way that food is marketed to people. Mm. You know, the fact that we throw out things that are too small and too big from grocery stores because so don't people take them, or the fact that things with little blemishes are becoming, are, are, can't be sold at grocery stores, so we're wasting a lot of food too. Maybe all of that food suddenly, you know, if that, if, if what we do is we open up a, another thing which actually sells real food to people, and that's the way of dealing with it, that's the way we deal with it, that's great. I don't, I don't actually, I don't, like, I don't, like I have a stake in that we definitely should be using as pesticides as we're using because of the because of the bee deaths, and I think that's a serious concern. But beyond that, I not really I don't really care how we're making our food as long as we have enough food and we're not all, and we're not destroying the planet while doing it. Um, and the, and the thing is that this wouldn't even be like a, like we're not we're not talking about like oh we want to go up there with a video camera and do no I'd be like off record I would do it completely off record I would just like to have that conversation but but the thing that that I think their point of view is like hey don't attack us um, we're just trying to make a living and we're saying we have no problem with you making a living well all we're we're not even asking you to join us in being part of the solution but we're asking you to stop going out of your way and preventing that discussion because you see any discussion on that topic as an attack on you. Mm. That's the problem. If you don't want to be part of the solution, fine, but stop obstructing the solution. Mm. Yeah, and I think and I, I think that's. I wonder if it comes from a fact that because of the way the animal rights activists do take on a lot of a lot of these issues, if anyone who if that sort of created this difficulty of actual communication, like I wonder if you have to come at them with a much with an incredibly, incredibly measured approach because like they're still wary of any single one coming into their farms and sort of exposing them and their horrors what mm-hmm. they're doing because that is what you know. There's a lot of there's there, there are things out there that animal rights activists have done that I've been sort of like I should, not I should. cool, bros, not I, cool. I should actually mention, just because uh, uh, a friend of the show, Tushar, mm. uh, has been harassing me uh, for quite some time. Hi, Tushar, <laughs> uh, who might actually be subscribing to this podcast. So that was a serious hello. Hi. Um, who's been harassing me for quite some time to watch Earthlings. Mm. And I and I finally recently did. Um, I love Joaquin Phoenix's voice. It's mm. fantastic for that. And but the thing is, like, it's a little... It, it's not as over the top as I was worried it was going to be. It's a little over the top for my taste, but not not much. I, I'm not even making that as a serious criticism of it. What I what I 
think was really sort of interesting there was like the, the thing that got my attention the most um, because I was sort of anticipating a lot of like horrible hard to watch violence and that it, it included that I it was more I wouldn't I wouldn't even say tastefully done it was more sort of intentional and precise than I was anticipating so overall my my it exceeded my expectations as far as what a good uh, how good it was but the biggest, I think the most brutal point that I took away, I think a lot of people take a lot of different things from that film based on what their preconception were, where, how much sort of they were aware of when they were coming to it. But as someone who was already largely informed as to many of the issues that was brought up, sort of got my attention the most, my biggest takeaway, uh, was the fact that a lot of the, that there is a market for people who are concerned for this, who wish to purchase products that are more ethical than what they're aware of is available. And that large, in that there is evidence that in many cases, this is just marketing, mm. and the animals still suffer, and they're and it's still not clean, and it's still and you know and it just I thought was really interesting there was that it's like pe- people are aware of it enough that they want to make more ethical choices, and you still can't because of this giant cloak of secrecy prevented created by having factory farms and this giant mega farm monopoly stuff and companies like Monsanto where it's like it the reason I like farmers and I don't like factory farms is because I like being able to go there and know that like his potatoes are potatoes mm. but like it's God knows what we're buying and it's the, it's the era of secrecy you know what I mean and it's an area where we're not going to get into it today because I think we've a we've done it before and b it's it's too much of a tangent mm. but I mean we have slightly mildly overlapping disagreement about how much and why we have a problem with GMOs yeah. for instance between between Stefan and I but the thing for me is like it's mostly just about the, it's, for me that's the thing mm. it's the thing that I don't like being experimented on and I don't like the fact that we don't know very much and like the thing we've gone through with this whole silent spring thing right I just feel like it's the ne- the reason I don't like it is this is I feel like it's the next silent spring where it's all these tests we don't actually know yeah okay there's been some research I think it's a lot of it's highly suspicious but who cares let's say it's all positive mm. They had all this information that, you know, all these things, oh, it's fine for you. We're just going to spray all these chemicals in your face. And it's all those horrible pictures from the 60s. And then 30 years later, it's like, oops, you got cancer. Sorry about that. Are bad. I don't fucking feel like being tested on. And I don't like shit that I can't think. If I'm going to eat a potato, I want it to be a potato. And I think that people have this false understanding that, you know, they picture a cow. And then they picture the cow being, you know, turning into a burger. And maybe they don't sort of see that brutal slaying of the cow and stripping of its flesh and maybe and a lot of people are you know shocked by those images and change that but it's not even that even for people that are fine eating meat you have no fucking idea what's happening to the food that you're eating right. and it's pretty fucked up right you know, I, I, there's there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of f-bombs in this episode yeah. i yeah, apologize we're, dropping, we're swearing all over the place today i think um, it's because i don't think it's i think it's because neither of us has had lunch yet uh, possibly could we, we could may be, be running on we're some hangry. Blood sugar. Yeah, we're hangry. We're hangry on a food food about uh, an episode about factory farming. Exactly, yeah. kind of hilarious. Yeah, it works out. What's interesting about that is none of that necessarily, again, is the farmers themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's meat processing or it's us all this other sort of stuff. It's all the it's it's again it, it comes back to whether or not and where you want to draw the line of who farmers are and what farming is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's. You know, like you, 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 like how many farmers slaughter their own cattle? I don't know. None. Maybe probably few. Yeah, I wouldn't. Very, I, very, I would very yeah, few. I'm sure they just, you know, they raise them and they send them off somewhere. Uh, so, like again, 
these aren't the farmers doing it. This isn't this isn't this isn't an attack on farmers. But I think there's there there's this. It, it comes back to the fact that in our society, I think it is easier to point out the problems of what is wrong than to get traction for a new idea. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, amen. Um, and <laughs> and getting traction for a new idea is the positive side of environmentalism. But that's but it's almost looked down upon. Yeah. Like, to be the person who comes up and says, like, no, guys, we can do this. I have this really cool idea. We should do it this way. Everyone's like, yeah, psh, here's 17 problems of why, of why that won't work. And you have to go through, you know, and you get, you get stalled and stalled and stalled. Whereas it's very easy to be like, psh, look at what we're doing now. Here are all the reasons why it doesn't work. It's super easy. Yeah. And then no one can say, why? asshole. It's pretty easy. Exactly. And no one can, it's much easier in our society, much more accepted in our society, to point out things that are wrong than to actually have the faith that you can actually change something. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that fact, we're seeing an attack on that. It leads environmentalists to be appearing like we're always naysayers because that's what actually gets a bit of traction. You know, people are willing to get up and listen to you if you're like, look at the things we're doing wrong, here are all the problems. It's the reason why, and I'm, still, it's, I'm always interested by the things that environmentalists are more successful in winning at. Mm. And I'm... I'm, it's always weird things in my mind. It's never the battles that I think should be won. You know, I'll, I'll, except for the, I'll, I'll, I'll take out the ozone layer because that actually was a very important issue and it's their, our only real win. Well, and so you, you, as you brought up, the only reason that was so easy was because there was somebody ready to make a shit ton yes. of money off the alternative, yes, which is the, a critical point. Yes, exactly, yes. But, <laughs> but still, we, you know, America, some American companies made a ton of money off HFCs and that was great. But at least, at least we got something done about the ozone layer, which is still, Indeed. which what's interesting is people still think about that as a problem. People still, like, no one really understands that that's not a problem anymore. It's yeah. kind of trailed off as an issue. I think that's why. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, because it was solved mostly. You know, it's still it's still not fully healed, but at least it's it's we, we aren't destroying it too much anymore. If that, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to let you go. But it, like yeah. that's what like just blows my mind about people like ah climate change. Dude, we put so much gas into the fucking ozone that we put a hole. We put a hole in our planet shield, and you're, and you're like, no, we couldn't possibly be affecting the climate. Come on, man! Like, even throw out all science. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like being like, well, you know, I blew up my first car. Mm. But this is a slightly, you know, different car with different inner workings. Therefore, we, I couldn't possibly ever crash it. Mm. Just, I, like, even with no understanding, just at a basic conceptual level, I don't understand how people, unless you deny that we ever had a hole in the ozone mm-hmm. layer, I just, I just don't get it. It's yeah. mind-boggling to me yeah. that people refuse to accept that concept when well, we've already done it. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who just actually don't accept, oh, there's a hole in the ozone layer. But we'll get, we'll get, or the people who are think climate change has to do with the ozone layer in some weird way because it's both up in the atmosphere. Which I've met people who. How could we be dumping uh, carbon into the atmosphere? There's a big hole. It's going into space. <laughs> I mean, hello. I bet you someone thinks that, Darren. Probably. Uh, but Idiot. to get back to where I was going, <laughs> um, the thi- I think they're the bigger really wins, are angry today. Some of the bigger wins <laughs> we're getting are, aren't like it's it's like what like in my thing the last couple things that that environmentalists have really won on in is that there was a delay in Keystone because of the people didn't want it going through Nebraska. Uh, there was a another delay. Nimby, I'll uh, call them out as you go. Well, exactly. Um, there was the subset of people who got those nuclear power plants shut down in Germany. Nimby, and then there was. I guess if you want, how far do you want to go back? Do you want to go back to the seventies? <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying Nimby. So. Um, well, no, I think what's interesting about it is is for it's, it was definitely Nimbyism that stopped Keystone. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no question. Nimbyism is the entire reason they stopped Keystone got delayed. 
uh, at each time it got delayed. There's absolutely no question about it. Um, and it could end up being the reason why it's completely stopped. And really, it's going to be the reason why the, gate line, uh, the Northern Gateway will probably be stopped to some extent. Although it'll be more... It'll be not exactly because it has to go through actual Aboriginal lands, and they have sort of a larger view of the whole issue, not just that they don't want to run into their lands. But again, it's going to be land claims. It's always land claims. It's never like this is a bad idea. It's fucking land claims. Uh, what we shouldn't stopped. say is that it's not legitimate. It's just that it means that it's like if it's not on your land, then it's really hard to make people care. Is the point not yeah. to say that people whose land is affected by shit? Is that that's a bad reason for it. Yeah. Not at all. We are not at all yeah. saying that. Right. It's just care about shit that isn't directly affecting right. your property as well, maybe once a year. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, like, and, and, and those, and those aren't going to and, and, and I think in Germany, it's, again, it's that sort of like, I don't know if it's short-term thinking, hmm. in that it's sort of like, we, this is a bad thing I could see right happen to me right now must stop this bad thing happening right now. It, I don't care if that doesn't, if that allows other bad things happen later. Right now, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. And so, like, I, I, this is the, probably the most controversial opinion I hold in the environmental sector is that I, I could not be more angry that, that at the people in Germany who got the power plants shut down, nuclear power plants shut down, in favor of coal. And I don't care if in their heads they were like, no, we want to get wind, and we ended up with coal too bad. That's darn No. Like, unless there was already wind power built, and then you got that shut down for coal, I just, I, I cannot stand that. It's and called it, a, fa- it's called a phase out. Nobody, like, and, like, you phase yeah. things out as alternatives. The idea is to incentivize the alternatives. I, I got asked. And Germany's doing a great job of that. Germany has, like, yeah. renewables. Like, they're doing But I just, I just mean, in general, like, people are like, well, what do you want us to do? Like, just throw everybody in the tar sands out of work? No, it, m- most mainstream environmentalists are not even saying, and not even yet, like maybe their house in the hill is, yeah, okay, shut down and, and cancel all oil exploration. The, the, the most primary thing that most of them are arguing for is to cease to expansion. They want a yeah. moratorium on expansion. Yeah. Everybody who's already working, keep your jobs, but in the meantime, all the money you were going to invest in making it even bigger and even stronger and even more, let's start shifting those future investments away. That is the most clear-headed environmentalist's mm-hmm. point of view. Yeah. And it's not to say, and I'm not saying clear-headed that anyone that wants to shut it down entirely is crazy. I want to shut it down entirely. Yeah. I just know that that's not how you go about doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, we're sort of touching on a half a dozen blog articles yeah. we put out recently, but, and that's what sort of the damage of people like Rex Murphy mm-hmm. doing, whether or not you want to consider him a paid advocate of the uh, the thing, which for legal purposes I'm not insinuating, I'm just saying that other people have insinuated. Thank you, Fox <laughs> News, for giving me that little loophole. Um... People have been asking, Stefan, no. Um, but it was just that that's the damage. I mean, that's, that's the propaganda that's put out. This is where people's arguments get, get stereotyped as saying, oh, you want this, you want that. Well, you know what? When you, when, you, when you do that and you have a giant microphone to do that and there isn't a venue for people to actually stand up, or you do and you go to, a, uh, you go to an action and you find someone who d- it doesn't really thought it through very well and they do have a sort of a poorly thought out point mm-hmm. and you put them on the 6 o'clock news and then put a bunch of like professional paid speakers beside them to say, well, you know, this is representative. No, it fucking isn't. Okay, you want to get an actual, you know, thought through opinion on some shit. Give me a week's notice to do some research and you can have Stefan or I on. <laughs> you know, and let's put, let's put some people who, and not, not to say that we're not the only two, but I'm just saying we're the people who are more than willing to do mm-hmm. To do that, and we have some experience in practice, but it's the 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 legitimate sort of thought out, carefully, with a mind. We understand how the econo- uh, economics works. We understand about protecting the economy. We understand that we don't want to tank the Canadian economy 
immediately <laughs> just to like... So we want to take the Canadian economy eventually. Over the long term, no. <laughs> uh, but like, it's, 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 there's this, been a successful propaganda campaign that it's either Harper or nut jobs. Yeah. And there are nut jobs out there. Uh, but there's the vast, vast, vast majority of clear-headed people are in the middle, and a lot of them just don't want to poison their own drinking water. A lot of them just don't want to invest in an energy and an energy thing that they think, even if you don't care about climate change, is clearly based on the long-term, like long-term trends, going to be something that's going to become less and less viable as time goes by. It, it, you don't need to be a crazy environmentalist to want to have to shift away from oil and gas. There's a lot of legitimate reasons. And then you add climate change, and then you add this, and then you add, oh, wait a minute, if you actually weren't so one-sided in the news media, you'd realize that a ton of people have done a ton of work on actually working. Well, how would you do that? You know what? People have thought it out. There are actual plans to do that, but nobody's listening to it. And, and I think that, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with propaganda, but I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that the solutions aren't as sexy as yelling about shit. Yeah. I mean, look at us. We've been yelling for an hour. <laughs> um, but there are solutions, and, and it's, it's time for people to start talking about And that's, that's true. my last thing. Is just, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that is the entire point of why we do this show. Yeah, we want to point out problems, but it's for the point of pointing out solutions. And if you're complaining about something and you don't have a solution, let somebody who else does sort of stand in front of you. Let them have an opportunity to the microphone because because some of us are, are, are just as informed as the bad stuff, but we also, and not that we have our solution, but we're aware of other people with solutions. And we need to be doing that. If you want to actually grow the movement, we have to be saying, here's a problem and here's a solution that doesn't destroy the economy. You know, it, it, this is a shift. There might be these little things in it, but this stuff has been worked out. And, and it's not sort of a pipe dream. It's not a bunch of people who have no idea what they're talking about, just yelling about stuff. We have some solutions. Come and ask us. And to, to, uh, to jump off that and to sort of wrap up as we're – well, we have, we have 10 minutes left. But we'll, I, we'll think we're start, I think we're getting close to when I need to eat something. All right. All right. So we'll wrap it up. Um, I want to jump off uh, – because what I wanted to go back to about the, about the last couple of environmental wins were they were, all, they were all negative wins and that they were all stopping something, not gaming something. And I want to highlight the one time which I thought of recently, in my most recent knowledge, of probably the biggest environmental win in, I'm going to say North America in a while. It was called by a bunch of people the best piece of legislation put in North America, the greenest piece of legislation put in North America ever, and that's the Ontario Green Energy Act. I had to write two papers on this during my undergrad, and if ever there was something that was actually, it was solutions-based, it was a good idea, and... What's interesting about it is it's it's managed to stick around, and no one's and it doesn't seem like I'm sure if Hudak got in he'd get rid of it, but Hudak gets rid of he'll get rid of everything good, so that's a whole different battle. Um, there, there's been attempts to campaign on stopping it, and it hasn't really like yeah, it hasn't polled that well. No, like it's, yeah. people generally either they're like I didn't realize this was a problem, or they're like what it, it hasn't really done that much bad. Like even if they don't think it's good, they're like well it hasn't really that's like. Of all the things to criticize, it's actually it's it's not a terrible piece of legislation. Yeah. Like it's pretty hard to it's yeah. pretty hard to, to yeah. run against it. Exactly, and most and, and 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 every environmentalist loves it. It's one of those things where like I you know it's it's the it's a fantastic it was it got from Germany, which is why Germany is doing so well, because it's their whole idea. There's issues with implementation, and it's interestingly enough, actually, it's a lot of the problem is the fact that because of the fact that each part of the Ontario 
um, energy sector is like weirdly private, was privatized and then unprivatized. So it's in this weird jumble of complete clusterfuck. Um, Pretty much everything that's wrong with it is because it it didn't or was not able to, for other legislative reasons, go far enough. Yeah. Well, not that they did something wrong. It's that it would have worked even better if it if it had been even wider reaching. Well, in reality, just the the biggest the big its biggest hampering current currently what is the fact that the the institutional support from within the government was not strong enough. Mm-hmm. Like it, basically, like a lot of it was like required people to be set up to the grid, and they just weren't. They weren't attached to the grid fast enough, or slower, or whatever, because of the way either was enough mo- money given to the people, or whatever. Whatever reason why there wasn't enough. That's that's really the biggest problem, which is interesting. What I want to get, finish off on, I'll bring it back to food because I think that's the way to go. Because that's sort of how we started this whole, co- uh, whole, whole conversation. Is that environmentalists and people in the food industry? could really use some nice, really big summit that sort of connects the organic growers and so that whole movement and brings it together. And there's a whole bunch of very interesting solutions out there, and I'm, I'm going to get Maya back on to talk about solutions that she knows of and ways to deal with that. But if farmers were just supported in the way they should be supported, and if a lot of the sort of weird ways we sell and think about food. Really, it's the way we think about food is, is, is a problem. And, and processed food is the biggest thing. Because the, the big thing with processed food is you can make way more money off it because you can charge way more for it because it's different. And you can't just, you can't make 50 bucks off the of broccoli. You can make 50 bucks off Twinkies. And that's the big difference. And if you just move back to whole foods, which is something we mentioned in the, in the other podcast, that would do a ton. And it's just, there's a whole lot out there, a whole lot of interesting solutions that we should listen to, and we'll get to more later. Uh, sort of meandering podcast, but I hope that sort of got the point across to some extent. hope that was mildly interesting. This is Happy by Pharrell. Someone's remix. I don't have it in front of me, so play us out, guy.
myself. 